Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzarite Financial Services. Notre Dame with a 38-17 victory over Stanford to move to 5-0, moved up to number 6 in the AP poll, number 7 in the coaches poll. Uh, with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester, and that's about as well as a football team can, can play. I was, uh, you know, on the list of most impressive Brian Kelly wins, I think everything trails Oklahoma. But you could make an argument this was number two. USC last year was great, too. That was quite a... But uh, Stanford came in in a lot better shape than USC did for yeah. that game. Uh, when it, yeah, with this... The overall effort, when you, especially when you dissect it, I mean, they they beat them. It, it When you dissect it, it's a 38-17 game. It's shocking to me going back it was ever 24-17 in the fourth quarter and that Stanford had the ball. That that seems like that never happened to how Notre Dame played that second half. They were the defensive front, and I wrote about this. I couldn't stop from writing about it twice. The defensive front is the key to this team. Everything that's going to go wrong from here on out, that defensive front is going to come after you every game. Someone's going to have a bad game. Not the defensive front. Well, it shouldn't because you're deep enough that right. you can your your second unit can make plays as well. Generally speaking, listen to these words: Notre Dame physically manhandled Stanford, and yeah. it's true. I mean, it, it it truly did happen. And you know, I think we're probably going to look back and say that this isn't one of Stanford's better teams. They haven't gained 400 yards in a game yet in in five games. Uh, so they they had some some weaknesses and Notre Dame exposed them and the great thing that's happened here, especially in the last two weeks, is that over the course of sixty minutes, Notre Dame is just manhandling teams physically, mm-hmm. and if you can do that against Stanford, you can do it just about do it against just about anybody. I think that's why it was more impressive to me than USC was last year because USC is manhandleable uh, and Stanford is not, and so to sort of take it to Stanford in their own in their own M.O. and do something that uh, Brian Kelly said they've been trying to do for the last mm-hmm. nine years and had it. The best you could ever do against Stanford was play them to a draw right. in like toughness. In 2012, they played yeah. them to an incredible draw. And this one, they, they whipped them on both lines. And, I mean, no, I know Notre Dame's staff felt before the game that they, like Jerry Tiller was going to have a huge night and their defensive line was going to win that matchup <clears> like <throat> By a blowout, uh, and I think it was it was probably even more impressive than that. And I agree with what you're saying, O'Malley. Like your pass rush travels. Like yes. so, your quarterback can be accurate and inaccurate. Your receivers can make great catches, and they can drop the ball. Um, you know, you can have your secondary sometimes will get beat on fifty fifty balls, but your pass rush travels week after week after week. I think one of the more the more underrated things that I'm not sure anybody took into consideration was that Stanford. Lost their um, offensive line coach. He became a head coach at Rice, uh, Bloomgren, and he was replaced by Carberry, a guy that came from the Washington Redskins with, with a, a good resume, just like Bloomgren, when he came, I think, from the Jets a few years ago. But, man, that offensive line is playing terribly, and they're going against, as you guys are saying, a really good defensive line. And Notre Dame's D-line uh, exposed them. I mean, <laughs> you know, Tillery got... Uh, did he get three of his four sacks? I mean, he got him on. He got two of the last two on back-to-back plays. Boy, he exploded on that last one. Yeah, he, he, and he beat. Smell it. <laughs> I mean, he beat Herbig uh, yeah. most of the night, uh, and then up beating beating their other guard and and a tackle on, on his sack. So he was outstanding. I thought Bilal played really really good football. I mean, he, here he is, you know, chasing a guy a, a, across the field on a crossing route and makes a play with a correct hand reaching across his body. It was beautiful. How about this? You never thought I'd hear. Against Stanford, Azamar Bilal was the best player on the field in the third quarter. Third yeah, quarter, yeah. he was a dominant player. Every, every, every. I did a little drive MVP that I really haven't used in a, in a way to write about it, but that keeps me tracking who played well in the game when yeah. you're trying to remember after the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing down in the third quarter, Bilal, 
Bilal. I'm like, I can't believe this I think that was a, up that many yeah, times. I think that was a def- defensive adjustment. They were getting wide of him in, in the first half, not too often, but they were getting wide of him. And I think you'll see when you you know when you watch the tape again that he's aligned wide and he's ready for that that wide run. And it starts to you know why are you running Bryce Love wide? Uh, you know when, when he's when he's so quick to the hole and elusive. But I mean they had to do different things. You know, uh, fifteen plays, one hundred fifty nine yards in the two drives that Stanford scored over the last forty thirty six. They ran thirty one plays, gained sixty one yards. Including sacks, fifteen. Well, those, those count. They do. <laughs> yeah. when, when it's total yards, they count. Yeah, That's... including sacks, uh, fifteen carries minus five yards. They were just absolutely dominant for for the last forty minutes of the game. And like you say, Tim, I mean, it was a, you know that miss by Justin Newton was significant. It was a twenty four seventeen game. It was a fifty yard field goal. I'm not saying it was easy. No, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't like a shank or something. But I literally wrote down Notre Dame special teams blinks first because you knew yeah. that. Our other favorite, who's the, I can't, I, Jet Toner. Jet Toner, my favorite name, how could that escape me? I was like, this, this is going to be a problem if yeah. it comes down to it. Man, but. there were two good kickers and two good punters because that yeah. Bailey kid was launching them yeah. too, just like Newsom does. Yeah, it's, I mean, Stanford, for them to finish with one rushing first down is like, oh my God. Oh, kind of like mind blowing that that's even possible uh, for Stanford football to do that. But yeah, it's, I think from top to bottom, coaching staff included, I mean, how, how often have we talked about, where does Brian Kelly compare to David Shaw on the list of top coaches in college football? And Notre Dame staff absolutely worked over Stanford staff on Saturday night, in addition to having better material on both lines for the first time uh, probably in the, the last decade of this series. So it's um, there's a lot for Notre Dame to feel good about. Um, the pass rush would be first on the list, but Ian Book would be a close second because I thought he yeah. was excellent and did not – blink in a in a big moment at all and I thought that when he came into the postgame press conference and was like all right let's do it let's do it I mean he's <laughs> got like some response. real like dude qualities about him in the way that very few Notre Dame quarterbacks recently have had uh, and I think it shows on the sidelines it shows on the field it showed in the postgame press conference that and it, I mean I, I wrote about this talking to some of his high school coaches last week but he has had a very kind of comfortable confidence about him for a very long time where you might be surprised about what he's doing, but he sure as hell is not. I thought yeah, that was kind of interesting to see him on the sideline after he'd thrown his fourth touchdown pass, and you can see that he's you know feeling good and feeling his oats a little bit, as he should. You know, there's a this is two weeks in a row now where I'm just fascinated re-watching the game and looking at the nuances right on down to – you know, hiding the ball on his hip just like you should, just textbook before he completes the fourth and two pass to Cole Komet. But it struck me, you know, those those little out, those little turnout routes mm-hmm. that, that Boykin's running or, or or Finkel run or whatever. The pass is is thrown just at the right time, so that when when the receiver looks back, the ball's coming. When you get the football to a receiver that early, you now you now open up greater possibilities for yards after the catch because he gets a chance to turn his head upfield, turn his hips upfield, and he doesn't have a defender right in his face to make the tackle. So I think the more we see Ian Book play, the more you're going to see yards after the catch because he does such a great job with his timing of getting the football in the hands of the receivers. I use the word easy in my column. He makes it look easy. It's, it, I think you said it during the game. It's a modern attack those look screens and bubble screens that everybody knows how to run that Notre Dame simply could not. It's why it's, it's you just gobble up yards easily. It's got to be frustrating. Well, and he, you know, what, coordinators. He, he makes the hard throws. Yeah, when Brandon Wimbush was playing. No right. defensive coordinators. <laughs> yeah. When you say oh, it's eight yards, it's I mean, eight it's, yards. Right? What are we supposed to do about it's that? Incredibly frustrating for Notre Dame for the last year and a half that they couldn't run that. Yeah. I mean, this is these are really like the basic fundamentals of modern college football, and Notre Dame had. Like, no mastery of them at all until last week. Which is why I said we've never seen this type of offense (laughs) run successfully by Notre Dame. You know, look, he does make the easy throws look easy, but he makes hard throws look easy, too. And the perfect example was that throw between Okariki and uh, Malik, where from our vantage point, I I don't know about you guys, you remember the one? It was a 19, it it was a short corner by Boykin, not during the... Not during the four catch series, but it was it was on the sideline that we're on in the press box, and it was over Okariki and in front of Malik. And when he released it, my first reaction was, 
that's going to get picked. But it was perfectly placed, you know, over Okariki, right into the hands of, of Boykin. He makes it. He makes a lot of easy throws look easy. He makes hard throws look easy too. Rolling to his left, turns his hips, squares that was up. Nice. That was like an old the touchdown, touchdown pass touchdown to throw. that was cool. Yeah, the touchdown pass to Claypool. He's flushed to his right. He breaks to the line of scrimmage, and everybody on defense is thinking he's going to run. He pulls up, turns his hips, and throws a strike to Claypool. In keeping with our new uh, two-week history of comparing Buck, you know who that looked like, don't you? Joe Montana, rolling out left and throwing it back to his right when he was younger, in fact. so. But um, Dexter well, Williams the, fa- the fact of the matter is, yeah. as someone that saw Joe Montana yes. play, that there are body mannerisms that are very similar to his. It's just, it's true. It's just true. It is. The Baker Mayfield, Trace McSorley comparison. So Jeff Garcia, Joe Montana. This but podcast. we have two quarterbacks yes. who can play. That's so right. yeah. Pete, I did appreciate that yeah. tweet. I think some people took it wrong, but that was very I good. Mean, it, was, it was just so clear after Wake Forest that, like, this is what a modern college football offense looks like, that you're not going to go back. Like, going back to... Explain the Thursday setup. Thursday setup. I think, Priester, you asked the question about, um, you know, Ian Book bringing to the offense what he does. uh, And this was, the first question was about who's your starter. And he's like, we have two quarterbacks. I'm going to keep saying that. Just get used to it. Write it down. Don't ask me, basically. And then, Tim, you asked later about Ian Book's, like, sort of mobility behind the line of scrimmage, accuracy. And he said, you know, it's sort of, it reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield and Trace McSorley. And you're like, all right, well, if you have a quarterback that reminds you of Trace McSorley and Baker Mayfield, then that's your starter, yeah. and he will be your starter <laughs> for a long time. Like, to go back to the old <laughs> offense, it's – I mean, I feel like Notre Chip Long just got a, a smartphone. And you're and you're like, yeah, do I have the smartphone or the flip phone? We have I have two <laughs> phones that can work. Like, these are both functional phones. You're yeah. not going back to the just other being one. Being a smart, uh, Chip Long looks a lot yeah. – Smarter than people thought he was a couple weeks ago, and then maybe the offense. The quarterback coach looks a little smarter than he did a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) I haven't seen anybody give him credit, though, for for Book's Book's performance. But, look, Book's book, a quarterback coach is really, especially a young quarterback coach, is really third in the pecking order of instruction behind the, the head coach slash offensive coordinator and then as he, was with, as he was with Wimbush yeah, when he I, was getting you know, I've, said it, board. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I, every time I see Tommy Reese coach on the field, I'm impressed. I like the way he handles himself. I like the way he communicates. Uh, but whatever. Brent, uh, Ian, Ian Book is uh, Ian Book's the real deal. Dexter Williams, uh, he's the real deal, too. I really, really enjoyed watching, again, the, 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 the game tape because um, just that – He's very patient, that hesitation, and then the explosiveness uh, from patience to explosion is really, really impressive. I, th- I thought it was significant that he came up for interviews after the game. I mean, as good as he looked, and he looked great. Um, I don't think there was anything about his play that was that surprising, considering what we've seen <laughs> in practice and even just like the flashes mm-hmm. from, from last year. But Notre Dame is very conservative about guys coming back from suspension, um, arrest, what have you, to make them available for the media and to bring Dexter Williams out in that situation, I would hope for the sake of Notre Dame is a sign that, yeah, maybe he's he's got things figured out a little bit now. Uh, and there's a there's more of a mature player in there because Kevin Sefferson never came out after his four-game suspension and for good reason. So <laughs> maybe I'm reading too much into this, like, quote-unquote, new Dexter Williams. Uh, certainly on Sunday's press conference, Brian Kelly was asked about injuries, and he started, like, Dexter came out okay from the game, which I thought was, I don't know, maybe it's just habit that Dexter Williams felt well, Especially after 21 up. carries 21 in the first game, too. Yeah, he, he yeah. wasn't budgeted. Kelly said he wasn't budgeted for 21 carries, but once Jones got hurt, and they, I mean, Armstrong, too. The, the, the game plan didn't lose Armstrong until Thursday. Yeah. Well, I don't think it took Jones's injury for him to... I mean, once he had that 45-yard run, they start going to him Sure, more. so Armstrong... Yeah. Arms, the game plan was to have Jafar Armstrong until Thursday when all of a sudden they didn't have Jafar Armstrong. Yeah. So then you kind of figure it yeah. out. Uh, speaking of which, I guess we'll get into this, but the ankle injury to Tony Jones becomes a thing if he tweaks it and can't go because then it's a freshman backing up Dexter Williams at Blacksburg, and that's probably something they wanted to avoid. Um and I'm not just talking about, obviously, we wants to get the lion's share of carries, but he's got to come out. There are pass plays run when he comes out, and that's where yeah. it comes into. That's where you need Tony Jones, is when Dexter Williams needs a break, Tony uh, Jones absolutely. can pass block, I think, and he can catch. I think Jamar, I keep saying Jamar, Jameer Smith, um, you know, he's run hard. I mean, two games in a row, they, they were, 
you know, they were uh, scrap carries, I guess, at the end of the game. But I think he's run hard, and I, it looks like he protects the football. Why? I think I think Dexter Williams looks like he's protecting the football. Well, did I say that out loud before they go to Virginia Tech? I probably shouldn't, but I think he looks like he's protecting the football well. Um, terrible news on Alex Bars, of course. Um, although we, I don't know if we got official confirmation, but as of two o'clock on Sunday, Brian Kelly said it looked like an ACL, MCL. And they expect him to miss the rest of the year, which means the rest of his remaining eligibility at Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, it's just depressing in general since, uh, you know, Priest and I in particular have covered Alex Bars going back to high school mm-hmm. at, like, recruiting events. Um, it, and it really is a tough blow for Notre Dame's offensive line. Um, and I, that's a, I think there's been some discussion about, like, well, Notre Dame, are they better prepared to deal with injuries or, or worse or somewhere in the middle? I just don't think there's any sugarcoating this one about you can't spin this. You're not as, going to overestimate. No, I mean when Brian Kelly uses the word devastating for the locker room, I mean he is the most he he is always at peak optimism with yes. like next man in and mm-hmm. like we're going to be fine and we'll roll out there, but it's devastating for the locker room. I think emotionally, physically, you know, may, Trevor Rulin, I think can be fine. Yeah, I think he's. I but think... this is. I mean, you're really. With the exception of being booked the last two games, Alex Barr is probably your best offensive player. Yeah, that's uh, they didn't just lose a, a captain; they lost one of their better players too. Yeah, it's not. I think he was their best offensive lineman this year. Obviously, must because he was good at every game. That's one way yeah, of right. putting it. Like yeah, he, he's Musher has done most, a great job. Right. Musher wasn't as good against Michigan as Bars was, so he Correct. Bars is the best offensive right. lineman this year. And it's now losing Musher would be probably more brutal because of the position he plays. But this is yeah, this is. He's a confident guy. He and Mustafer together kind of gave them that edge of these Mike Bray's sort of men in the inside of the oh, line, yeah. and it's it can't be overstated in the offensive line. I think I think Bars would is a bigger let's say choosing between Bars and Mustafer. Right, I think Bars is a, is a bigger loss because Rulin could play center. You don't you don't put your center on the move generally. He's holding the point schematically. Of attack. You're right. saying it could be a bigger. Issue. Bars is on the move now. You know I thought Rulin played. I thought Rulin played exceptionally aggressive after he came in for Bars. Uh, I reevaluated my comments on last Monday about Rulin coming out of Wake Forest, having watched it a second time, and I thought he played pretty well. I must have focused in on some of the bad plays where he flailed a little bit as a as a first time starter will in that situation on the road. Rulin, I think, will Rulin's game, and, and he'll go after it. But you cannot overestimate the loss of Alex Bars, as Pete said. You know, in the locker room, uh, but just the fact that he is their best offensive lineman. I mean, it's like you now you're at a point. Alex Bars, Sean Crawford, Myron Tagovailoa, Mosa. These it's starting to get more and more significant. And like Virginia Tech is not going to care at all. They're down their starting quarterback. No, and you can, yeah, right, and you can forget about you can, I mean, we'll get into Virginia Tech a little bit later, but you can forget about that old Dominion crap now because, I mean, Notre Dame's going there to play. Um, they learned a very valuable lesson. Obviously, they did not take old Dominion. They had Dominion their Ball State excited. game, except right. they lost it. Exactly, exactly. Well, except that, yeah, they were at old Dominion and they yeah. weren't, you know, whereas Notre Dame was at home against Ball State. Ball State was probably the one game where I didn't think Bars played particularly mm, well, yeah. but him and a lot of other guys. Uh, I thought it was interesting, and I think this is really good, especially in light of the fact that Brian Kelly says Aaron Banks is practicing well. Uh, I think it is good to have a uh, you know a beef alternative at, at left guard with Aaron Banks. He's three twenty, like six. He's just shy of six six three twenty. Uh, I've liked him since the day he first came in. I think he's mobile enough to. Um, you know, mobile enough to to play tackle, but they're moving him into guard, which is probably an even better fit for him. Yeah, it's just it. Um, it I'm trying to think of like where this could be a positive. I can't think of anything. Other no, it's than not like, positive. If, if it's like if this if Virginia Tech wasn't this week, it'd be like Pittsburgh by Navy. You know, maybe you have some time to like grow the new, but like you're just gonna get. Your butt thrown in the fire at Lane Stadium. It's going to be very, very difficult for Ruler or Banks, whoever to throw out there. And I think because of what you just said, Lane Stadium and Virginia Tech. I really think this week they will rely more on Ruland until the end of this game. Like Ruland is going to be the man this week, and then they can start looking into Banks, Slug, Ruland growing into the position. Yeah. They're not going to rely on Aaron Banks going out there in Lane Stadium. No, but I, I, don't, I mean, yeah. I don't anticipate Rulin losing his starting job. It's just no. a matter of how much... No, but rotating. You can yes, rotate yes, in. How yeah. much Banks yeah. rotates, we'll find out. All right, segment two, whole bunch of questions, burning up the boards, coming back next. <laughs> 
Catanza Reed Financial Services is a safe harbor providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Catanza Reed Financial Services also leads retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Log on to CatanzaReedFinancialServices.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from SM29Irish. Where does this game rank among Brian Kelly's biggest wins in Notre Dame? Uh, As I said in the first segment, I'll go two behind Oklahoma. I mean, time time of the game is all we're ever talking about when we do this. It's super difficult to like. It has a lot to do with it. Look at it. Like, how is this going to be in November if they lose at Virginia Tech next week? Then I would probably think less of the Stanford performance. But just based on like what happened about how good Stanford is, I mean, it's like. They, he smoked Michigan with Brady Hoke. That Michigan team stunk, and I think we knew Brady Hoke wasn't that good to begin with. Um, USC was wobbling coming into the game last year. I mean, NC State was an impressive win at the time. Um, heck, I, I, mean, I thought Georgia Tech was good in 2015, and Georgia Tech was terrible at the end of the year. But I just think I have the most certainty that Stanford will prove to be pretty good, and David Shaw is really good, and that's why I think this one was... Outstanding. Yeah, ob- obviously Oklahoma's first because I'm still shocked Notre Dame won yeah. that game. <laughs> so uh, giddy. As I was, you know, I, as as people saw the expression on my face during our instant analysis back then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, I guess I would put it number two. I, I think I, the back to back USC NC State performance is kind of like an entity. Year. That's like an entity, right? Yeah, there, I mean, right? they, yeah, those two ran together, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was that was so impressive, but. Yes, it is. Now, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think this is one of David Shaw's lesser Stanford teams. So that means they'll go, what, 10 and 3? <laughs> yeah, rebuilding here. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's, they've, I guess they've won uh, eight twice or eight once and ninth, uh, nine another time. They, they went eight and five. Might be once. Yeah, once. He's uh, 77 and 23. No, he went, he so went, you can't put too many in there. No, and he went nine and f- nine and five oh, last went, year. Yeah, last year yeah, was nine okay. and five. Right, yeah. right, right. So he went ten and three the year when they came yeah. limping. I in. mean, you know, it's a big win, but now going to Virginia Tech, I don't know where that would rank or, or or not. But I mean, it's going to be a huge challenge for Notre Dame going on the road to win that game. Yeah, I mean, with there's a lot of ways to look at these rankings, but it just if you are going with time of the game, the impact it has on Notre Dame in a national scale. Oklahoma's clearly won because everyone picked Oklahoma to beat Notre Dame, that undefeated Notre Dame team. All of a sudden, Notre Dame was in the top three. Yeah. Last year, as great as those two wins were, Notre Dame had a loss. They still had to kind of, I mean, they, they were a very well-respected one-loss team. Maybe the most well-respected one-loss team because Georgia was proved to be outstanding. Yeah. Um, but they were, like, even when they lost to Clemson, there was that back and forth was, is Notre Dame going to get in? And they started trending down, and they might not have gotten in had they beaten Stanford with, right. with Oklahoma. Right. This team would have gotten in for sure last year at 11-1. and So this is an undefeated team winning a top-10 game. So it's right after Oklahoma. And then, of course, you know, what was the most important game? Well, we were sitting out at USC when they went 12-0. and That was the most important game, but it was not the level of win. They were expected to win that game. Right. Um, so this is probably the most impressive after Oklahoma. And... People remember that Michigan State game. Notre Dame was favored, and no one thought anything of that Michigan State team that went thirteen and one. No, it's got nothing well, to do with it, at the time yeah. of the game. Clearly, that's the best team. He's that beaten. game was almost unwatchable yeah, as well. Yeah, right. That's true. It almost doesn't count. I mean, that's the best team he's beaten, Brian Kelly. But that has nothing to do with the time of the game and the impact nationally. Right. At Cratch forty four, simple question: Is Notre Dame good this year? I don't trust it. <laughs> this speaks for all of my friends that are going to the Virginia Tech game, by the way, because the last time I saw these guys uh, that I went to school with was in South Beach, Miami, and I tried to talk them into not going in because like, I don't know, guys, this might not be great. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Uh, well, they're good. They're good. They I good. mean, this this is. Well, I'm sorry. I asked a question. You guys answer it. <laughs> I mean, they they could be. They're good, and they could lose on Saturday. I don't think we have one. If one's true, the other one doesn't need to be false. I will give you a good little rundown here of why some people don't trust it. Because when I see my friends from Notre Dame, it tends to be a big game. These are the last three attended: Miami, Clemson, Florida State. <laughs> so people don't really want to embrace things that are get, going. I, oh, I, and Texas. I'm I, sorry, and Texas. I, I, I get that, season, but so. okay. Like you could say, for one, they have a legitimate quarterback and for two they have a legitimate defense. Uh, the one thing I will say, and this is the only reason I would couch any of this, is. At no point, Pete, when you and I were doing that podcast last year against Miami, did we think anything like that was going to happen. We both picked Notre Dame to win. They had the ultimate running game. They had a great defense at the time. They had shown a weakness in the defense at the end of the game versus Wake Forest, and we we weren't that worried about the quarterback at that point. He had just lit up Wake. 
So I agree with you that they have a legitimate defensive quarterback. But when people say, like, when's the most, when's the last time you've been this positive on Notre Dame? I thought Notre Dame was great when they beat USC and NC State last they year. They were. And they went into Fair. Miami and they weren't yeah. prepared the same way yeah. Virginia Tech went into a game that they weren't prepared to play. Yes. I, you know, going into Miami last year, were there, like, cracks in the armor? Maybe because you could see, like, there were clearly some things Notre Dame could not do offensively, but they were so great at the things that they could. This offense, I feel like, can do everything pretty well. So that gives me a little bit more confidence about who Notre Dame is and what they're able to achieve. I mean, O'Malley, your point is like, geez, it's hard to win on the road. Like, that. Why don't your friends come to South Bend? Yes, like, I don't know. They could probably pick. I don't know what they're doing picking these Miami and Clemson games, yeah. right? Florida State, Tyler, yeah, Texas. But yeah, this is. I just like the question because he speaks yeah. for so many Notre Dame fans yeah. right now. It's just the I don't trust. Right. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I love the simplicity yeah, of the question. I, I mean, it, I don't. I mean, I don't think it was asked facetiously. Yeah, it's, it was just he's actually worried. Yes, <laughs> and, and I get that. We get that. Uh, at TK Browns, has Clark Lee met or exceeded your expectations? Since we're only five weeks in, I'll just say Met, um, because once again, it's a well. Remote, I mean, you got to be no, able to, but I mean, you can only base upon five games through five games. Has he met or exceeded your expectations? I guess with the pass rush being what Elston said, he's exceeded it. Because when Elston said, "I think we could be better pass rush in 2012," I was oh, you know, what's easy yeah. there. Slow and, your roll, man. But, and there's uh, really no doubt about that, right? Oh, uh, they they get after it. <laughs> they really no doubt about they it. really get after it. Um, and I've said, I answered on the board a couple times that this statistically the defense won't top 2012 because it took teams months to score against the 2012 unit. But doesn't mean you can't be a better defense when the chips are down after November and you're going into these situations. Yeah. So, like they really can grow with this this pass rush. So I guess he's exceeded my expectations. I had high expectations though. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm. I'd echo what you said. I thought he'd be really good, and he's probably been a, a couple clicks on the dial better than really good. I, you know, I thought this past game was a was the huge test, and 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 again, Stanford apparently has not put it all together offensively because they haven't had 400 yards total offense yet. But I thought this was a significant test because you know we all we're all impressed with Costello. Uh, Bryce Love is great. I expected the Stanford offensive line when the season started to be the best on Notre Dame's schedule, and it certainly isn't. Certainly didn't look that way the and other I hope night. It is, you know, that'd yeah, great. yeah, that'd be that'd be great. But uh, <laughs> you know, just to the level of to the level of consistency up to this point, you know, there were the long touchdown drives in the first three games in the fourth quarter, but you tied that to the offense and their inability to stay on the field. So I would say at through five games, I would say exceeded. Irish, I was tailgating. Is this the same Ian book you saw in August? How could he be this good and not have played more earlier in the season? I, we never saw no. We never had an opportunity to see Ian book. Well, obviously, you don't have an opportunity to see him in, in these game-type situations. But, no, we've never seen uh, Ian book play like this in practice. We couldn't suspect that he would be this good. It's uh, inverse O'Malley. Tony Jones Jr. from 2017. That's what that's what's happening right now. <laughs> I think we saw Ian Book uh, in drills, and we were like, "Wow, he throws the ball more accurately than Wimbush does." No, he throws, a, yeah. about no, he throws a good ball. Mechanically, yeah. he's really, really sound. I think what Ian Book impressed me the most was when he would have a, would be like spots against LSU, not the touchdown to Boykin. That was Boykin, but that he escapes for a 20 yard run when you need it. That he can throw on the run, but you're, obviously you're still thinking, well. Whatever number of passes he threw last year, he had four picks, and three of them were kind of in plus territory. One ended the game, not that they would have won against Miami. There, there, so there's always something you look at book and think, he must not be as good as we see flashes. As it turns out, there has been two straight games of flashing Ian Book operating at peak efficiency. This would be one of those times where if Brian Kelly was being totally honest, he would use the S-word, surprise, with how Ian Book has played, because I don't think the coaching staff... Talking to people around the Goob for the last year would have said anything like this was was coming or imminent or possible. With last the year, they told you that he had practice issues, like he was not that consistent in practice, yeah, which I means mean, you're never winning a it job was, for Wimbush. It was what I had heard last year when I asked people, like, why don't you play book in November was like, because he makes the same he damn mistakes same that mistakes, Brandon yeah. Wimbush uh, makes. I always felt like, you know, I've said this a couple times that, um, you know, when he'd get in a game, I've got to make something happen, and he forced some things. But Brian Kelly says he's a lot stronger. I think you can see that. The one thing I didn't think that he'd be able to do as well as Wimbush was avoid the rush when it's crashing down on him and escape. But he did that, as as Doug Flutie called it, 
He has that little fish hook, fish hook move. You're not supposed to do that. Where he spins away, <laughs> but he does it well. It's, and, it's, he, and he, you know, you can see, you can see him looking, uh, checking his peripheral vision. A lot of times, he knows where everybody is. I, but I, I have thoroughly enjoyed going over the game tape after getting back from the game uh, because just so many nuances that he does well, like that. Like that, uh, you know, that 19-yard pass to Cole Komet on fourth and two where he fakes and puts it on the hip. It's just everything is so fundamentally sound. And then the ability to execute this vast array of different throws, whether rolling left or right, the diving throw that he threw to Michael Young the other night just showed great athleticism. It lost three yards, but it shows you that... Yeah, he that, didn't make a play at a loss of three yards. Right, yeah. right. But it, it, well, I think Flutie yeah. said that's like the best three-yard <laughs> loss I've ever seen. I mean, it, he is just so dynamic in so many ways. And I think the Claypool, I described that earlier, the Claypool touchdown pass, watch that again and see the nuances of how he makes that happen. It's it's really impressive. There, were, I don't remember the game. It was probably LSU. I mean, there were there was a game where I distinctly remember watching Ian Book run a play-action fake handoff where he turned to his left to hand the ball off and the running back was on the other side of him. So there was not there was not like this all this magic happening last year behind mm-hmm. the scenes with him. He was a young quarterback who didn't really get it all figured out. Um, so I think what just what's happened with him, maybe it's maybe it's a little bit more similar to Deshaun Kaiser because n- nobody around Notre Dame would have said in spring ball, yeah, oh yeah, no, this guy is totally fine, future pro. Um he was third on the depth chart and nearly in, was outplayed by Montgomery Van Gorder in the spring game. So I think what Ian Book is doing is a real surprise, and I, that's why college football is great, because you get real surprises, and Ian Book's one of them. At Sarge 103, should we be concerned about offensive line and running back depth, or is the schedule favorable enough to allow new players to gain a foothold and provide quality play? The, the schedule has nothing to do with it. No, it's not. I mean, it's a concern. I, I don't you don't, I don't. think you can look at schedule and say, oh, okay, well, that's going to be easy enough. You lost. We talked about it in the first segment, Alex Bars is a real quality college football player and a great leader on this team, and it's significant. You can't overestimate it. I think if they played Pitt this week with a bye, this would be a better argument about the schedule. But they are getting thrown into the one situation that you want to have communication for a new offensive lineman, the loudest place they will be. So I would be concerned about offensive line depth. In the <laughs> They lost the guy they can't lose. There's one left they can't lose. I like Banks and Lug as backups, but I don't know what they're going to look like. If they get pre- no. what if they get pressed into action along with Ruland? What is not, not Ruland doesn't have to get hurt. What if somebody else gets hurt? Right. That's why you have to worry about the offensive. You know, line. and I want to say this, and I said in the tail of the tape, Tommy Kramer, he has got to start playing better football, but better, more consistent football. His team, his offensive line, absolutely is counting on him, and he's got to play better than he did the other night. I I think that the injuries are to the point now where they will ultimately cost Notre Dame a game at some point. I, I think they're like one away from that, where you a defensive lineman type thing where or a I, Tony or a tranquil. I feel like they're there right now and I to get to Priester's point I think it's the good one like the schedule doesn't have anything to do with it cuz you cannot you can't fake your way to 12 and 0. No, no. Um and I think Notre Dame's going to have to cobble together and like maybe well you know have like a, a Pittsburgh type moment where you escape a game that you totally should have lost like the 2012 um performance there cuz I just don't I don't losing bars is is like taking out a, a piece of your backbone, I think, for the program. And right we'll now. get more into running back on Thursday because we have probably a lot to discuss for the running back situation if Tony Jones, if we find out Tony Jones is questionable from Brian Kelly tomorrow, that really means doubtful, right? When Because you've got to be able to perform to be out there too. You're not just able to run. Well, that was kind of, running back. It's yeah, be, that was kind of why I wanted to see Flemister carry the, the ball a little bit more than Avery Davis has. You know, I mean, there had to be some carries there and touches with Avery Davis that could have gone to Flemister, although now Jameer Smith appears yeah. to be ahead of him. So, I mean, I like Jameer Smith, what he shows. I, I think that he can run hard and protect the football, but all the other aspects, you don't want to get into that. So, I think, Pete, I would stop short of saying, when you say they're at that, I mean, you mean one more in the, the, the I mean, they're at the tipping point? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, no, I think that their, their roster, if you said, like, this is, at the beginning of the season, yeah, you said, here's your starting offensive line. It's Eichenberg, Ruland, Mustafer, Kramer, and Kainsey. Would you sit there and say, like, well, that's an offense that can go 12 well, I didn't think Alex Bars was that good when the season started. <laughs> yeah. and he proved to be very, very good yeah. through the first five. I didn't think that he had reached his potential yeah. is what I mean. Uh, where are we at? At BT Incow. 
at B Tinker. Let me read that over. AU, we're butchering it. He wants to know how good Kareem is. Clearly not 100% healthy, but is he the second best defensive lineman on this team? Yeah, I think so. Or the the beautiful thing is he might be the third. That's how good the defensive line is, (laughs) right? Well, I I mean, look how productive he is, and he, he literally has sprained and or tweaked his ankle every game. And I, the, 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 Violently. <laughs> this is the this is the thing that that cracks me up is that the last two games, when he came out of he came out of the game, he looked banged up again, and bam! As soon as he came back in, he was even more explosive than he was before he left the game with an injury. I, I think he's become a really really good college defensive end, and is he their second best? I w- I, w- I would say. Overall, probably, but boy, yeah, Aquara but Aquara is right there, and Aquara is deceptively good against the run. You just, you, I mean, he's just around the football, whether he's pass rushing or or uh, defending the run. Said in the summer, Khalid Kareem would be the most improved player on defense, and I'm gonna comfortably stand by that. Though. That's a good call. So I'm no longer going on a limb there. That's a good call. I'm gonna lose my um, Monday musing summer bet that Kareem was gonna lead the team in sacks because Jerry Tillery's uh, yeah, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. When you're getting f- four in a game, <laughs> it makes game, it good. it's a little waiting. Yeah, for seven it. for the year at Brooks Beer One. Do you see any of the junior defensive ends testing the NFL waters after this season? I could see Khalid Kareem definitely, definitely. doing it because um, he's on track to graduate in December. Um, so he'll have his degree after the season. I don't know why. He certainly will be in the I would like NFL feedback sure. group. And then I, think, then I think I'll have a decision to make. NFL feedback group if Brian Kelly tells us exactly when we press him on it in early January is when he finally kind of tells you who really did it. will be Julian Love, Khalid Kareem, Julian Aquara, and Chase Claypool. We'll put their names in for yeah, testing. Totally agree. And I don't know who would leave. Well, Aquara I don't think will leave. Um, and then we just kind of got a note recently that Julian Love might be uh, He's, considering the yeah. job. Well, and well, I mean, thirty-three passes. Right, yeah, when right. You, yeah. If you were Julian Love, exactly. Yeah. You know. um, and then Claypool, because I don't know. I think was, someone told Peter Tim <laughs> two years ago that Julie, Chase Claypool would probably test the waters when he was a junior, right? So that's whether uh, he was I'm, ready or not. I'm sticking with that one. But uh, hey, Claypool, no matter what happens, if he doesn't get drafted, will be in the NFL, running around tackling people on kickoffs and punts for a very long time if he yeah. wants to. At Big Mac 24, are there any more titles that could be added to Mike Elson that would keep him from leaving for a coaching job? I think he's sort of maxed those out. Czar? Czar um, of the defensive line? Like Mike, Mike Elston, I believe, is well compensated to be an assistant coach at Notre Dame, probably more so than he would be to be a head coach somewhere else at the, at the MAC level. At the at MAC level, yeah. And I think that's the guy's name. No, that's the, the guy's name. That doesn't mean that they thought. No. It's, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get him to whatever the. Yeah, it's, it's Big yeah, Mac. Like, do you mean... think I could hire him at McDonald's? Um, <laughs> well, and it's Mac M A A. I think <laughs> he's probably going to be here until he decides he wants to leave. And at that point, it will have nothing to do with pay or titles, especially pay, because he'll probably be taking a pay cut a la Chuck Martin uh, when he went to Miami, Ohio. He, he likes it here. His family likes it here. He's, yes. in, he's ensconced in the community now. And I think while Brian Kelly's here, Mike Elston will be here. And then, unless Mike Elston could become, I mean, I guess he could become defensive coordinator, Brian Kelly. I just think Mike Elston will probably <laughs> leave when Brian Kelly leaves, and that might be the time he looks for a, a head coaching job. What did Brian Kelly tell you about Mike Elston in the summer? Most prepared assistant he's ever had right. in his entire career to be a head coach. So hopefully he's still here next year because uh, he's a defensive line. He's a heck of a defensive line coach. Remember those people telling us Keith Gilmore was a big upgrade over uh, Mike Elston, the defensive line? Yeah. Those people were wrong because Mike Elston has the five best defensive lines of Kelly's eight years, and Mike and uh, Keith Gilmore would have the three that are right after that. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, <laughs> that's what it breaks down yeah. as. Yeah. <laughs> Dashing Domer, is Jameer Smith ahead of Sebo Flemister, and do you expect a freshman running back to play a key role at Virginia Tech? Yes and no. I mean, I think clearly Jameer Smith's ahead of Flemister, although Flemister apparently was it did did Terp concussion get used that he they got injured in practice the week between like Ball State and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I don't think they used the term, but um yeah, but he, he was he hurt. Got yes, he did. Um, and then so, remember Jameer Smith traveled. Um I thought somebody pointed Wake out, Forest though. Right. That I thought North it might Carolina. be from North Carolina, but now it seems like he is a little yeah, ahead of him. I mean yeah. he also enrolled early. I mean yeah. that that's part of it as well. He's missed both. I mean both those guys missed time in August, so they could be getting to the point where they're just healthy for a little bit, and the coaches have a chance to see what they can do. But now there's no choice. I mean, Jameer Smith will get some carries at Virginia Tech if he plays a key role. I think Notre Dame is in a lot of trouble. Go fight, win, go Irish. To quote O'Malley, is it time to couch the Avery Davis experiment? 
They seem like wasted touches. You know, not wasted touches, and they can't couch it down because Tony Jones might not be fully healthy. I'd, I'd rather see every Davis out there if Tony Jones is limping around. It's just that when you watch Tony Jones' pass protection versus Avery Davis in pass protection, there's a massive difference. Well, and Avery Davis has to hold on to the football. And we I mean, like he, was, he was spitting it up the whole, <laughs> running it and yeah. trying to catch it. And has anybody, as much as people love the Avery Davis idea, the idea of him being quick and catching passes out of the backfield, has anybody looked better catching passes out of the backfield than Tony Jones this year on those wheel routes? I mean, that's... Well, that's the guy. Uh, I mean, you, I think you trust to do it. Yeah, he had the two wheel routes. I mean, I'd say the, Armstrong's even. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, better, he's, but, he's not available right, in the next couple right. weeks either. But uh, he had the two wheel routes, and he had the little circle route against Wake Forest. I know he was open, but guys can be open in the offense too. It's yeah. he's he makes plays. He's the compliment for Dexter Williams. They need him healthy this week. And speaking of, let me just insert if people haven't heard, uh, Jafar Armstrong will miss this week. Will miss. Pittsburgh, then comes the bye week, and Brian Kelly expects him back for, uh, who is that after the bye week? Navy. Navy. San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. Yeah. I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> so late to far after I wasn't that game. <laughs> yeah, Tim is traveling straight from Blastburg to San Diego. <laughs> but I said the, the Avery Davis couching experiment before Tony Jones got hurt and before Jafar Armstrong was out, because oh. I thought, why would you have Armstrong, Jones, and Williams and force feed Avery Davis? Yeah, right. I, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, we were talking about this Thursday on the podcast, I think, is like, what was Dexter Williams' role going to be? Ideally, it was going to be taking Avery Davis' touches away. And then it turned into, now you're the number one back by far, and Avery Davis is number two, which is less ideal. But um, still, Dexter Williams is ahead of Avery Davis. That was the point you were trying yes. to make, and that still holds. <laughs> Jay Thunders, please rank the remaining games in degree of difficulty. Is there a trap game in the mix? When you're undefeated, they are all... Trap games, Pete Sampson and Tim Priester. <laughs> They're all trap games. Yes, because you're a favorite. So. Okay. Uh, my list would be in toughest to easiest, one, Virginia Tech, two, USC, three, Syracuse, four, Navy, five, Northwestern, six, Florida State, and seven, Pittsburgh. We only have two alike, Pete. Six and seven, quite obviously, are Florida State and Pittsburgh. That cannot be, yeah. I mean, if you want, look, if you want to argue Pittsburgh is tougher than Florida State, go for it. I know, like, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's, I don't think, I think Florida State has to be tougher that's, than Pittsburgh. That is bad audio. You know what? Yeah, that would be bad. I'm not even going to give my theory on Pittsburgh. Forget okay. it. So mine is, uh, mine is USC, uh, then Virginia Tech, then Northwestern, because it's a true road game and they can defend a little bit. Right, Tim? And then uh, I think Syracuse just has is their competent team, um, and they have a good offense and a quarterback. Though he might not be alive at the point of that game, gets hit a lot, man. Eric Dungy and Navy is certainly ahead of Florida State because who would you rather play? Guys that don't care about anything, or a dude that's going to keep <laughs> dr- drilling you in your knee for sixty minutes? <laughs> Navy is ahead of Florida State in so any you rational. Have, you have realm. Florida State six and Pittsburgh seven. Yeah. And where do you have Syracuse? I have Syracuse four. I have the road games higher. Than All right. Well, we uh, O'Malley and I picked exactly the same. I'm looking at USC in game twelve. Me too. That's why I am too. Mm. Uh, on the road. Now I know Notre Dame has Notre Dame's gone there. You know, six years ago and won when they were undefeated and had to. Uh, but I would still take USC one, but I certainly would could right. argue for Virginia Tech being one. Our argument is eleven and zero yeah. against a team looking to beat you and, and make right. their season. I think stick. that's, 11, that's 11, sort yeah. of why I have Syracuse as high as I do because there's like a karma element oh, involved is. in it about <laughs> like, hey, let's just move this game to New York City because we're Notre Dame. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Oh, crap, you're ten and zero, and Syracuse is good. Uh, you know, nor, nor, Northwestern because I think nor, when Notre Dame when Northwestern plays Notre Dame, they're going to play one of their better games. They will. I agree. Feel that way. Including in the second half. And it's after Because they've been shut out the second <laughs> half three times. And it's after Navy. Well, that bodes well for Notre Dame <laughs> in the second half. But, I just, yeah, I think I, – and I, 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 I think normally we'd have Navy a little bit – Syracuse is too I don't good have, to have no, Navy I know. Them. But here's why I don't have Navy higher, because Ian Book's a quarterback, and that will, that, will, that will certainly lessen Navy's opportunity to beat Notre Dame. That's a great point, because when you get your eight possessions with Ian Book, you score seven touchdowns as opposed to maybe <laughs> one. So, but – that Florida State is ahead of Pitt just because they're better. I mean, they have better players. They're gonna, this will be one of those right. games where Nordame scores. <laughs> I want Willie Taggart. It's like, I've replaced do something with guys who don't care about anything. <laughs> he should. Guys that don't care about anything or Navy. Who would you rather play? I know it's a tough job. All right. At Dubs and Dubs. Well, Dubs and Dubs. That's right. And he exposed Stanford by running the ball. Is this the place where Virginia Tech can be exposed as well? Mm. Not not statistically. Not yet. Right. I mean, the old, uh, you know... 
throw out the stats from the Old Dominion, Old Dominion game. <laughs> they would like to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's a loss, and they blew it. But Florida State, 28 carries, 94 yards. William & Mary, well, I guess you should throw that one you out, You can throw out Florida State, 20. too, yeah, yeah, no kidding. They, yeah. Well, okay, Duke, 36 carries, 71 yards against Florida State. So, uh, And they just, you know, they, their D-line's good. They just lost. They threw their best pass rusher off the team. But it's still a pretty good good defensive front against the run. So, you know, you take nothing for granted. When you're undefeated going on the road, you take absolutely nothing for granted. Like Virginia Tech going to Old Dominion. I mean, it's right. there are good, better teams lose to inferior teams all the time. Sometimes it's because they go on the road. Sometimes it's the better team. Wasn't Which is why coaches well say, no, I wasn't surprised at yeah. A, B, C, D. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, double Domer Scott, on a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 signifying absolute certainty, how confident uh, will Nording be mentally, how confident are you that Nording will be mentally prepared and focused to play its best Saturday given the hostile environment at Virginia Tech? 27. That low? Yeah. I was going to put like 15. I mean, how many, how many times <laughs> do we need to see this? Right. I agree with it. Um, but I th- I'd go higher. I, th- I, th- I would guess they will, so I have to sure. go a little higher. Up, if there's yeah. a 27% chan- chance of something happening, that means it could still happen. I mean, I'm not saying it's zero, um, but... It's not an option. So. I've just seen, uh, you know, I saw Miami and saw Stanford last year, even though Notre Dame was winning in the fourth quarter. I've just seen Notre Dame go on the road and start flat, like at Arizona State a few years ago. Um, look, they, they haven't won their final road game since 2012. And they've gotten pasted in a handful of them. So it's, I could they win and really make a, a huge national statement on Saturday night? Absolutely. But would I bet on a Stanford-like performance at Virginia Tech? Absolutely not. Oh, to play its best is what you're going with. Well, I, I mean, see. that's what yeah. that's, that's what the, the question. question is. You're right. You're mentally right. prepared and focused, locked in. Like to me, that wouldn't apply winning twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Yeah, I don't know how to put a number on this because I would guess, you know, I would certainly pick something above 50% confidence that they would, but I would probably shave off 15 points just for, <laughs> just for Alex Barr's not playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think if, I'm I more... felt, if I felt like it was 65, I'm down to 50, or if I felt like it was 70, I'm down to 55. I, I don't know. I guess I think Miami helps. <laughs> well, I think old number, minus 15. They're, um, I think, more mentally prepared and focused to play. I think they will be. I don't know if they'll play their best game. I think other factors stop you from playing your best game, like not having Alex Bars, like a regression to the mean with your quarterback that has, what does he have, nine nine touchdowns and no turnovers going out there, right? It's seven, 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 oh, well, no, seven, seven touchdowns. Seven, passes, yeah, seven touchdowns, but ten touchdowns and no turnovers. Right. Like, there's something. Yeah. You don't have a, you might have one I running back who I mean, has a history of not playing well in back-to-back games. You might be the only guy out there, Dexter Williams, and then you're throwing in, what if Dexter Williams turns his ankle? How focused are you then with Jameer Smith? Yeah. Handling the whole game. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like that's why I feel they've hit this breaking point of like, God, like bars is just, that's just a huge loss. That's a rely. That bars is a guy that if you're like you're going to Virginia Tech, great, right? Alex, Alex bars, bars. Can care less about there are so many other people on the you. team. You're going to Virginia Tech. I'm like, yeah, that chaos period where you practice with a soccer ball is only going to take you. So I do far. think that. <laughs> I do think that how much is that going to come up? The, on the, the Miami experience. I mean, the Miami experience is fresh, fresh with yeah, this team. The, That's still an open wound with this team. Yeah. It's so the only time anyone's ever admitted coaching and players being intimidated. Yeah. Can you remember? And it took four weeks, but they did it. Can you? Can you remember anyone ever admitting those things until that? Drew Tranquil, Julian Love, and Brian Kelly. Those pl- proud players and coaches admitted. They did not, they couldn't handle it. Well, it just, I mean, it was just like, it was so obvious. <laughs> we were getting sick of the other answer, I guess. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, give us the truth, man. I mean, I will forever regret not experiencing that. Yeah. I absolutely will. I, I, what, what were you doing? I was <laughs> sloughing off. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I do really think that that Miami experience is significant, and that uh, that's definitely a theme that I'm going to explore this week with them and Kelly. That. I mean that that has to that has to play that has to be beneficial to Notre Dame. They can't wait to talk about it. Should I? Yeah. <laughs> Should I ask uh, Dalen Hayes before the game if he yeah. knows how loud it is? I, expert, I think on, on Thursday to commemorate last year, I asked Brian Kelly. It's like, what do you expect the crowd noise to be like? And if he says at Michigan State, I'll be picking a loss. <laughs> I don't know. Like Dalen Hayes is having a very underrated. See, he's doing a great. I thought he's had a great last two weeks. I will never forget Dalen Hayes asking me, is it supposed to be loud there? When I asked him the question, have you seen how loud it is? And he acted like 
nothing loud bothers us. <laughs> Guess you haven't heard anything loud yeah. before because it's about to bother you. There yeah. was a... uh, last question. Seabus uh, Irish. After your trip to Blacksburg this weekend, what venues remain on your college football bucket list? That's, that's pretty much all SEC as I was writing this down. I mean, it, I haven't been... I My first year traveling was after or... Um, they went to A and M, and I didn't travel when they went to Nebraska. So those would be those would be two. But the rest of them, like I guess, I mean Alabama, I think would be probably number one for me to go to and, and check that out. But I mean Lane Stadium is up there, and then I haven't been to LSU either. Um, I think that would be pretty incredible. I lived in Atlanta for ten years, so I did do the SEC thing. I've been to most of them: the Swamp and Alabama, Alabama mm-hmm. stunk when I went. It's a long, long time ago. It's two thousand one. They haven't. I think they've won every national title since. But uh, yeah, George. I haven't. Though I never went to Auburn, so Jordan Hare would be on there. Uh, the Rose Bowl. I've never been to the Rose Bowl. Oh, that was nice. That'd be. I'd love to do that one. Um, it's not really my bucket list. Outson Stadium. It looks kind of cool when you see like, be the, one the, how loud it is and it's a thirty-something thousand place. But uh, yeah, Kyle Field. I've never been to Kyle Field either. I didn't do. I went. I did do the Nebraska trip, um, which pretty much negated any. Yeah. <laughs> After that trip, there's no Notre Dame uh, person traveling, and it was that was also you two, were like, that was you were like your friends that <laughs> yeah. you listed earlier. Yeah, they were with me there. Yeah. And that, <laughs> was, <laughs> that was an RV. Going to road games. <laughs> that was an RV. Oh, that's bad luck. You don't want my friends at road games. Now we do pick all the biggest ones. So yeah. that's why that tends to well, I've been I've been to LSU, I've been to AM, I've been to Nebraska. Uh, I haven't been to Alabama. I saw Notre Dame get murdered by Alabama in Birmingham. Uh, and it might as well have been Alabama that day. Um, or Miami. Yeah, or Miami. <laughs> I haven't been to Auburn. I've been to the Rose Bowl, but I'd like to go to the the Rose Bowl, the, the game, the right, Rose Bowl right. as opposed yeah. to in Austin Stadium, my oldest brother lives there, and I have never, I have not actually been there. But you're busy in the fall. It would be yes. I would like to wrap up our. Oh, I didn't. I'm sorry, Athens, Georgia. That's the, that that's would be coming. at the top of my list. That's a place between man. the hedges. That expression, that... and they plant the hedges in there, and uh, that expression I've, uh, I've always thought is fascinating. I, I can't wait to go back there. But my Alabama experience is worth telling. Tailgating outside, it was Alabama, Arkansas. This is uh, September 2001, so it's a couple weeks after. Um, September 11th, and people aren't really traveling. We drove to the game from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, tailgating. It's about 95 degrees outside, hottest day of all time. And there's some older ladies coming down the tailgate row asking for whiskey. So, yeah. you know, I like them already. Yeah, I like them already. So, I mean, they're in their 70s. They're walking up and down the row of tailgaters. And so, you know, we have, we had Jack Daniels. I was like, she goes, yeah, any Dickel? And I had no idea what George Dickel was then at that point in my life. But of course, my friend who's, from Georgia, pulls it out of his back pocket flask. <laughs> so we try to get these women little cups, of course, because they're 70 years old, to walk around with. Said, no, that's all right. Just takes it, pours it in your hand, and shoves it in your mouth. <laughs> that was my Alabama experience. <laughs> into the hand, into the mouth. Watch that. <laughs> okay, from Alabama to uh, Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. We'll be talking about that on Thursday when we pre- preview Notre Dame, number six Notre Dame against three and one Virginia Tech. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.